And let's pray as we get ready to hear the word of the Lord today. Jesus, I thank you for your heart of humility. I thank you, Jesus, that you love us and that you invite us into your rest. And I pray, Lord, that we would rest in your word again today. We thank you for what you've done last week in our midst when we reread and we investigated your words to come to you when we are weary and heavy laden and we will find rest. But Lord, that invitation is not for one Sunday morning. It continues. And as we continue to look into it this morning, Jesus, I ask that we would once again find rest in you. Uh, may you encourage the preaching of your word in such a way that it changes us. And may our hearts be ready to receive it as truth as you reveal yourself to us in Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Last week I shared a word with us, find rest. And um, don't know if you noticed, but this is actually a start of a, a short journey through this idea of rest and how do we find rest as believers of Jesus. I had some beautiful pictures up there of oceans and safaris and, and Venus and said, what do you want to do to rest? And we concluded that rest is not in a place, it's not in our plans, it's not in provision, it's not in people, but rest is only found in the person Jesus. You can go away on the greatest holiday and you can come back tired if your soul have not connected with him. And as we come out of the year of 2023, 2022 into the year 2023, there's no better way than to rest than being with Jesus. And we read the words of Jesus, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a powerful text. We're going to read it again in a moment. But find rest is locked up in Jesus Christ. Now this morning, I want to talk about a different way in which we find rest. And this morning, my title is Find Rest in Humility. Find Rest in Humility. If you think about the world... And I was thinking about it this week and contemplating the world is almost like an angry bull ready to see red. And the moment it sees red, we go for it, right? The world is like this, this battle and this striving to get to the top, to get what we want, to, to run after all these things. And, and, and even if people are alienated or hurt or in our way, we are like that bull that will kill and destroy and rush against and through everything because we see red. It's the narrative of the world. You can just find one wrong hashtag and people jump on the outrage machine, which is something that New York Times came up with in 2014, talking about this culture that we're in today that is called the outrage machine. You just see one thing on social media and you are there. I saw red and I'm running. We struggle to watch sport these days because we see red the moment we see a referee. That's the narrative of the world. It's striving, it's get to the top, it's work your way up there, it doesn't care, and then we justify it with this, but it's right. Even Jesus and all his right couldn't justify a haughty heart. 
and this narrative of striving to get to the top. And we were worshiping this morning. I was just so blessed by the image of Christ and his humility. So I believe we truly find rest when we become humble. And up until that point, when our hearts are full of pride, we will struggle. And I'll show you in a moment why I say this, because I want to go back to that scripture. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now look at that verse for a moment. I could have, or let me rather say, Jesus could have taken out that yellow sentence and it would have still made pretty sense, right? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. But right there in the middle of this invitation, Jesus doesn't just say, come and learn from me. He says, there's a place I want to take you to where you'll learn. And where is he taking us? He's taking us into his heart. 89 chapters in the Gospels. Don't know how many verses. I didn't count. One verse where Jesus says, do you want to know what's in my heart? Let me show you. You know when we speak about people's heart, like, oh man, I'm trying to think of ideas here, but you know what, Hanre uh, has got such a heart for, for people who are hurting and helping them through things, and, and, and then Charmaine has got such a heart for kids, and we talk about people's hearts because the heart is that, that central animating place in your life that kind of culminates and brings everything you do together. And then we describe people to that. And here is Jesus and saying, I'm going to reveal to you my central space. And it's not that he's saying there that I'm demanding or brave. Jesus didn't reveal his heart and says, my heart is filled with being dignified and tempered. He didn't say, I'm going to reveal my heart, and it's a heart of even joy and generosity. The one opportunity he took to say, my heart, on display, he said, my heart is gentle, and my heart is lowly. And I believe that all of that statement hinges on this, understanding that humility is the ultimate step into rest. Last week we stepped closer to Jesus, but this morning we're stepping into his heart. And it's a heart and a space of humility. Humility is the fiber that weaves true rest. And unless the world discovers this, there will not be any offerings in this world to have rest. Because we can even go on that holiday and we can have a little show off Look where I am. And in a moment, we'll see in Scripture that Jesus says, I oppose that. And we find ourselves tired because we're not truly resting. Humility is, 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 is the fiber that weaves this blanket. And Jesus is so ready to pour that blanket over us 
But the question we have to ask ourselves is are we willing to go into his heart, not just come to him, but go even deeper into his gentle and lowly heart. Earlier on in chapter 11, and I, I took us through this last week, and I want to spend time on that this morning, but just the context in which Jesus shared this, but just before he made this statement of saying, come into my rest, he prayed and he said, thank you, Father, Lord of heavens and the earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. He's speaking to the Father and he reflects something of the Father that even the Father's heart is a heart of humility. I'm not there to support and back and go for the wise and understanding in the world. I'm looking for men and women that could be like little kids who just look up to me and live in that dependence upon me with humility. There's something beautiful of seeing a young kid just being in the presence of their parents with absolute humility. We don't have to teach that to kids. They actually have it. And then as life progresses and all these things and strivings happen, we find ourselves having to fend for our hearts. And I think if we read this, the story of the Bible, that the more we read it and, and look into it, we'll actually see that God and the God of the Bible is a God of humility. Think about it. He created everything we see, the universe, the cosmos, everything we see, and he didn't hold on to it. He said, now you, you guys rule over it. Most people that create amazing things, hold on to it. Because of the payoff that will come by keeping it to yourself. But right at the beginning, he creates it all and he says, wow, look at what I made. This is good. But humans, I'm going to give it to you. You subdue it. You have dominion over it. You multiply in it. You make this work. Isn't that the signs of a God that really in his heart carries this idea of humility? And when we messed it up, and Adam and Eve tried to put some leaves together, out of his humility, he made them close. What did he make it from? He made it from animal skins. What was that referring to? The blood that will be shed. What blood? The blood of Jesus that will cover our rebellion. And then the rebellion continues and Jesus comes and he leaves heaven and he comes in humility and he becomes like us and he lays down his life. The God of the Bible is a God of humility in his essence. So if we want to truly rest, we have to get, grab hold of this Idea. And then the prophecies of Jesus are filled with the ideas of humility. We read in Zechariah how he's going to come riding on a donkey, not a chariot, a little donkey. I couldn't do that. I shouldn't have done that. Sorry to all the youth, all the youth that is awkward at the moment. I do apologize. He comes with a donkey. The youth and my wife. I do apologize, Eliana. The prophecies about Jesus is, if you read Isaiah 53, is a tender shoot, like a little green plant that starts growing. That's how Jesus is described. And then it says that he had no beauty or splendor upon him that we would be attracted to him because he's a God of humility. 
And then how does he arrive in this world? He comes through a poor family. And in a few weeks, we get to celebrate that again, but he comes through a poor family. Not the rich one who had all the means to get the perfect baby room because the baby room that Jesus came in was a stable in a manger. That's how he entered this world in humility. And then in Luke chapter 4, when we read how his ministry is exploding and he could have planted a church and put up a sign and call it Jesus Christ Ministries International. And up until now, there could have just been people and money. It said that he looked at the crowds and he stopped his ministry and he went to the mountain to spend time with the Father. His heart didn't yearn for that fame. In fact, when people wanted to make him famous, he retreated. Because in his heart... He carried gentleness and humility. His heart is not just revealed in this statement that we read, but it's revealed throughout the story of the Bible. Because when he is captivated to be taken to the cross, and Peter goes and he chops off the one soldier's ears, what does Jesus do in his humility? He picks up the ear and he heals the guy. And then the ultimate act of humility is carrying the cross. It should have been on our backs. That's why Jesus said, learn from me. Look at my example. Look at my heart. Look at my teachings. And in a moment, we're going to look at the first church and how this topic continued to be part of the journey. But Jesus really carried this heart of humility. And the invitation is still for us today. Learn from me. We learn from him by going to him and sitting with his word open and saying, Lord, if there's anything in me that's got to change, show it to me. Not going to the Bible with presupposed ideas of what it says, but actually to read and say, I don't know, I'm sure that this is what it means. So Jesus, show me through prayer, through worship, for what we do here. Do you guys realize that every moment we sing together is an opportunity for humility? Where we stop thinking about ourselves and our things and the striving and we're like, Jesus, you're beautiful. And all I long for is you. Learn from me. We find our rest in humility when we learn to do it like Jesus did it. And even in his relationship to the Father, Jesus carried humility. John 5 verse 19, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father does. How much do I do by myself? And then after a while, like, oh, maybe it's a good idea to think what God would do. But even Jesus, in knowing his mission, in knowing that he's God, and knowing beyond time what's going to happen at the end, he knew it all. Even him as walking in this earth kept looking to the Father out of a heart of humility. I'll only do what you tell me to. What could our lives and the world and our society look like if we all lived there? So I want to look at three things in humility, because humility goes in many directions, but I want to talk about three. First of all, it's upward humility. It's at heart before God. It's that place of, oh, the Afrikaans says it beautifully. If anyone can come up with the English word, please help me. Verontmoediging. Yeah, you see the Afrikaans people like, yeah, sure, that hit hard. That place of, you just take your heart. It's, it's what we sang this morning. Like, I yearn for nothing else. 
God, my, my heart, if, if I think about my heart and I think about all the offerings and we're saying that peace can, or the, the offerings of the world can never fill me and the plans and humility is, is that, God, I need you and I desire you and I want you. If you don't pray that prayer over December when you're on holiday, friends, you're going to start 2023 tired in your soul. In the word, come to me and learn from me. It's that heart of humility and gentleness before him. But you know where it kind of starts? It's right at the beginning when God created. And he instilled the Sabbath. And now some of you might think, yeah, Pierre, don't talk to me about Sabbath and rest. That's law. I'm like, okay, well, go read Hebrews 4, which we read last week, and tell me if that's the law. And you know what? All the laws that were given, I'm not going to go down law theology today because it's, it's quite amazing and also intricate and complex, but all of that were given for us, people. <laughs> it's God's father heart towards us. It says, wow, do these things and you will find life and you will find blessing and you'll find the abundance that I have for you in this life. But the Sabbath... And then you say, but you don't get it, Pierre. I run my own business. I do this. I do that. And then you realize that it takes humility to switch off your phone and say, today I'm going to trust God that he'll take care of my affairs. Oh, no, but I, I need, I'm the boss. Or like, if I don't do this and if the family and if I'm not on WhatsApp and not responding and they're going to worry and they're going to be offended, I'm like, can you have the humility to say, today I trust you, God that you take care of my affairs. That's all he wants. Let's read it together. Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. I wish we could theologize about this today, but then you're going to sit here for three hours. He, oh, he speaks a lot here. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. The word holy means set apart. The word holy means we as his people have to enter a place where in humility we say, God, I know there's all these demands and strivings and I feel like a bull seeing red all around me. But today, Jesus, I come and I'm humble and I trust you. Humility is upward to him and the command to rest is only able to be received by humble hearts. We can only take this command if our hearts are humble before him. So if you battle with this, maybe take a moment and say, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wrong way in me. Because he's wanting to give you that space of rest. And then in upward humility, another thing that I want to mention and another ill of our Western society is this blasé, familiar heart towards God. Like, God is just God. It's just, yeah, it's just Jesus. It's just, it's just the Spirit. Like, yeah, come on, Holy Spirit. Come do your thing. As if we command Him. Am I touching some nerves this morning? Can, I, can we go with humility and say, 
Spirit, I don't want to have presupposed ideas of what church should look like. I want the heart of Jesus. And whatever you choose, that I'll take. I don't want to have some presupposed ideas of my prayers will cause this to happen. I'll pray those prayers and I'll have faith. But if you say no, that's okay. Teach my heart to become humble. We read in Job how he says, I put my hand over my mouth because I spoke too soon. He carried humility towards God. Now the place he says, I put my mouth in the dust. We read in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A heart of humility comes and says, God, here's what I have to say and I'll keep it short and simple. And I'm not going to ring it up and tell you what to do. And I'm just coming. God, please, I cry out to you. And James carries on this thought when he writes his letter. And he says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Whoever wishes to be like the bull who sees red makes himself an enemy of God, an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. What does it mean? God in his nature yearns that our spirit will not partner with the spirit of this world. But would partner with his gentleness and lowliness. And then he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. James is writing to the people of God, the church, you and me. For a moment, I just want to say this, that some of us might have unanswered prayers, might be in a battle, because our hearts aren't humble before him. And we can declare and decree and prophesy and pray, he's waiting for you to soften your heart. He's after your heart that changes. Because when Jesus revealed his heart, it says it's all about humility. The second thing I want to talk about is inward humility. Upward towards God and how we stand in reverence and worship and in, in our relationship towards him. But that inward reality is those thoughts that we carry within ourselves. Your secret thoughts. Thoughts like, thank goodness, I'm not like. Guilty? I'll put up my hand first. Or our thoughts of prejudices and made up minds. I, uh, we need to go to the social, but oh, goodness, I'm going to see him or her there. And then, is that a teachable, soft, gentle, lowly heart? Thoughts when someone else gets the promotion that you wanted. Okay, Lord, that wasn't mine. But you promised that you'll take care of me. So let my heart, and I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt in that moment. I'm not saying to not be, have emotions. Friends, please have emotions. But those emotions sh should move you into humility, not arrogance and being haughty. Inward humility is challenging us when some of us like to celebrate other people's failures. 
we see someone else fail because, and you're like, yeah, I, that was about to happen. And then we kind of sit there in that. It's not the heart of Christ. I was writing down these things and I needed to repent before him this week. Inward humility is, as the psalmist says, Lord, search me. I don't care about them. He didn't say, Lord, search us. He said, search me. Jesus, look at my heart. Deep inside of it. And show me if there's any place that I'm not gentle and lowly like you. I want to read Romans 12, verse 3. It says this, For by the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. You know, it's easy to spot a high thinker, someone that really kind of thinks a lot about themselves, right? The way they carry themselves, the way they live themselves, the way that they speak. You could be at a Brian and the stuff that rambles out of their mouths are like, yeah, like you really like yourself a lot, right? <laughs> but when we study the, the intricacies of this verse, it's not just speaking about those who think highly about themselves. It's also speaking about those who think highly about themselves because they think about themselves a lot. And we see that also on the side of people who might be battling through life and the hardships of life and the, the difficulties in life, they too, like the one who's got it all, is so focused on all of that. And, and, and the scripture says, think about yourself with sober judgment, with God's view. To both the high thinker and the low thinker of ourselves, and I think some of us vacillate between those two spaces, we've got to think right about ourselves with humility. Because I've seen this side where it's, it's all the, ooh, look at my life and look at this and achievements. And, and may I say, parents, can we not let that be our children's narrative? I, I'm not against talent being developed and encouraged. But the world is pushing us like next, next, next. But also on this side where people are not in that space and they go into themselves, they pull people towards themselves, and everything that happens is, is, I'm a victim, and it's wrong. In all of these, there's not the heart of Christ. These two aren't opposed one against one another. All of it says we've got a heart issue. So think about yourself with sober judgment. C.S. Lewis said this beautifully in his book, Mere Christianity. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. If you want something to read in December, buy that book. You'll thank me in January. <laughs> it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself with God's sober judgment. But it's thinking about yourself less. That's humility. I love that. I think that's a great attempt to try and describe what Jesus said. I got to laugh when I see people post photos on the media. And like, look at this beautiful place. And then half of the thing is their head. <laughs> like, I can't see the beautiful place. I'm seeing your face, buddy. Like, where's the beautiful place? Turn around and show me the beautiful place, right? 
Like, just celebrate the beautiful place. We know you're there. You took the photo. It's like, look at this beautiful place. I'm here. You know what? I, I go to the gym regularly because I swim at Waterstone. That's what I like to do, to stay fit. But goodness, get me out of those gym bathrooms as quickly as possible. Especially the men's side. We're all... Okay. See. There you go. <laughs> I stepped right into it, right? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Because those mirrors, I promise you, are occupied more than the mirrors. I've never been to the women's side, but I can think. Than the women's side, right? Goodness, I've got to see if that little fourth muscle there between the ones are developing the way I wanted to because I've got to look good. And all I think about is my perfect diet, my four eggs at nine o'clock. And look, it's great if that's your thing. I'm not judging it. But I can flip that to our business worlds for those of us who run businesses, Right? I've got to make more money. I've got to do more. I'm going to expand. Um, if God brings that, that's great. That's good. But check our hearts, friends. Is it lowly and gentle? Are we doing this because we think about ourselves a whole lot? And this applies everywhere. You look at the actors in the world. You look at the singers. You look at celebrities. You look at presidents. You look at defiant dictators who will not allow any form of humility in our hearts and also, you look at pastors around the world who leads from this, I'm a celebrity. Guys, celebrity pastor doesn't exist. We've got one purpose. It's to glorify Christ. That's it. And it's great if you follow people that is that. Make sure that you make sure that they sit there with your Bible and study it and make sure you don't just... But it's the narrative of the world. Think a lot about yourself and every now and again of someone else. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love those closest to you like you love yourself. Balanced scales. And then lastly, outward humility. Not just upward humility towards God and inward humility in our own hearts of how we think about ourselves and we ought to do it rightly, but outward humility and specifically within the body of Christ because all of the epistles are filled with this. Do we have gentle and lowly hearts towards each other? You know what I think breaks the heart of Jesus time and time again is if we fight and bicker as his children about things and opinions and church and beliefs and he looks at it and he says, you know what expensive prize I paid for your unity and you just throw it away in a moment because you're thinking so much about yourself and maybe towards God you haven't been walking in humility so your opinion and what you feel and think breaks down relationship. Sometimes we make cheap of the precious bought unity that God has for his church. What does the Bible say about this? Ephesians 4 verse 13. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How? 
with humility and gentleness. There is the heart of Jesus. With patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When we are called by God, we don't fulfill our calling by being the best, fill in the blank. We walk worthy of our calling by being gentle and humble. Striving to bear with one another with patience. Living in love. When Jesus comes back, I hope he says to all of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Just like David, you served all your purposes in your generation. But this is, I believe, his standard. You're not walking worthy in the manner of your calling when you get to the 100,000 followers or to the, the place that you've been wanting or to that business success. You walk worthy with humility and gentleness. Patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager, are we eager to maintain the precious board unity that he has for us? 1 Peter 5, verse 5 speaks about this. In 1 Peter 5, which we just read together, you guys remember out in the open series, it speaks to the elders and the leaders of the church. And he says, rule over the people well. Rule, interesting word. Yes, leadership is there to rule over the people. It's there to shepherd the people with God's way of life, with God's sober judgment, to lead people with God and do it. But then he says, don't do it in a harsh way. Don't do it in a controlling way. But then he speaks to the church. He says, I'm speaking to the leaders. And then he speaks to the church. He says, and you church, be subject to the elders. Ooh, another word we don't like saying in our world of bull and red. Ooh, subjection, submission. Mm, I'm not sure I can do that. But then the third thing he, he, he speaks about is, this is what I say to leaders. This is what I say to followers or people under those leaders. And he said, but all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. What does it mean? Leaders and followers, all of us have to be clothed with gentle and lowly hearts. We will walk worthy of our calling when we step into that heart of Jesus. All of us will. That's why this is important. It was hard to choose scriptures because there's so many. I would actually love to do a sermon series on humility and really discover what it looks like if we live there. And then I love this one, Philippians 2, verse 3 to 7. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Not some things, few things, nothing. Out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, what's the opposite Invitation, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. This is the word of the Lord, friends. And again and again and again, these apostles write, and they said, I'm going to point you back to the heart of Jesus. Remember what he said in this crazy world that we're living in? If you want to find rest... Don't think about yourself that much. Think about others. Put their things before yourself. Yeah, but I worked really hard and I deserve this. Deserving is a strong word. Because we deserve death. 
And by His grace, He chose the cross. And yes, fair enough, we work hard and then we're invited to rest. And we can and we should rest. And I hope that you do rest. But I hope that you rest in the heart of Jesus, which is one of humility, thinking about the others as more valuable than yourself. And then this thought continues, and I'd like to continue in it to bring us to a close this morning. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So as the church, in our relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You know how easy church would become if all of us think like Jesus when we are with one another. Because the temptation is to prove your point or like, no, think like Jesus. Pierre, think like Jesus. When you are in a grapple with, with Eugene, and if Eugene then thinks like Jesus, the next moment me and Eugene were like, we're thinking like Jesus. And what is Jesus saying? Gentle and lowly. Eugene, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And Eugene can turn around, Pierre, I'm sorry. Do you know what? We've maintained the unity of the Spirit. And then he describes what the mindset of Christ is that he wants us to have. And it's once again a humility mindset. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He said, have the mind of Christ. He could have walked this earth and said, well, I'm God too. So now let me tell you a few things. And we find ourselves and our hearts lean towards space where we say, well, I'm God of my life. I'm God of my thoughts. I'm God of my opinion. And says, let that not be like you in your relationships with one another. Have the mind of Christ who became a servant. They don't deserve to be served. Let God be the judge, but you serve. Think about that other person more highly than you think about yourself. And again, I want to show you the picture of true rest because it's also the picture of true humility. Can we sh- That's our God carrying our cross. I don't see anywhere in the the road to Calvary that Jesus threw off the cross and said, okay, people, now let me just tell you, this is wrong because I'm doing it for all of you. And it's all your mistakes and your things. And look at me, here I am, and I've got to now do this. It's said that quietly, like a sheep, going to the sharers with humility, he walked up that hill. And Philippians 2 continues in this thought. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So humility is possible because of Jesus. Entering his heart, that place of living with gentleness and lowliness, is possible because he's gone before us. 
This is the greatest act of humility, is what Jesus has done. And when we come to him and if we want this, he helps us to untether ourselves of the pride and the arrogance and the often haughty spirit we carry and the strivings that it causes in relationships in our own hearts and towards God. And we break that cycle of being opposed by God and we break that cycle of being battling in our own souls and we break the cycle of broken relationships because we're walking like Jesus in humility. So the invitation to us this morning is the same. Learn from me, Jesus said. Again, I want to say, when you reveal this heart, it doesn't say it's a brave heart, it's a loud heart, it's an outspoken heart, it's a strong heart, it's a courageous heart, it's a joyful heart, it's a generous heart. All of these are things that we see in the life of Jesus, but he said in here, humility. And we find rest in humility. When we go there and then because he is such a giving and generous and joyful God, he said this to us in Matthew 5. Blessed, happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And what did he quote? He quoted Psalm 37. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Who wants abundant peace? Humility. It's the way of the cross. It's the way of the kingdom. And it's different than this world. I want to pray for us. I believe, as the word was opened, that the Holy Spirit has been ministering to your own heart. This is the beauty of preaching the word because the Bible says that the Spirit brings conviction of sin, of God's righteousness, what's right with God, and then the judgment that comes if we don't compare our sin to what's right with Him that's not my job. All I need to do is to point to the word. But I believe this morning the Holy Spirit has been convicting some of our hearts. It surely has mine. Even in preaching it, I'm like, I'm sorry, Lord. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And you know what? God is faithful to sometimes say, yeah, I forgive you. Thank you for your heart of humility. But he's faithful because he's a restorative God. He's a God of reconciliation. Maybe your full rest will come when you actually take that step to go to someone else in humility. Maybe your full restoration would happen when you actually ask someone to say, will you help me think a little bit less about myself? <laughs> or maybe change a certain lifestyle because, guys, the pressures in this world and this society, and may I say in this basin, to look and think and dress and live a certain way. It's not the heart of God. Don't fall in that. Humility is the way of Jesus. And maybe today you say, yes, God, I've become super familiar with you. I'm just like, you've got to do all I want you to do. And you've got to say, Jesus, I want to be lowly like you. And then when we go through that motion... You know what Jesus does? He says, well, I carried that cross for you. And when I carried it, I took all those things and I nailed it to the tree through my hands. So son and daughter, get up and don't let any shame, as Yannicka shared this morning, define you. Because humility sets us free. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. 
that you are speaking to us. Lord, I want to thank you that your word does not leave us guessing. We don't have to figure this out. But we have a role to play, Lord. We've got to decide to step into the depth of your heart, Jesus. We've got to decide to maintain the unity. We've got to decide to be patient. We've got to decide to be humble towards one another. We've got to decide, Jesus, to not think of ourselves more than what we ought to. It's our choice to make. Lord, we've got to decide that in our life with you, in our journey with you, we'll live with reverence because you are God in heaven. And until we are in heaven, <laughs> we are on earth. So we want to have hearts of humility. So I pray for your church this morning, your sons and your daughters. As your Holy Spirit has already convicted, I pray that you would convict more. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I want you to repeat it. And then I want you to just think and trust him to speak to you, your own heart this morning. Say, Jesus, search me. Search my heart. And see if there's any wrong way in me. Now you guys can just wait on him for a few minutes. Thank you, Lord, for the work of the cross. That if we bring our pride to you, you take it off of us and you receive it from us. And you take our heart of stone and you give us heart of flesh. Thank you, Lord, that this morning there is that great exchange as Mario prayed. That our hearts can become soft. Again, Lord, and even if we go into the next few days and we find ourselves with a prideful heart, you're still there gently and lowly waiting for us to come and kneel down before you and say, Jesus, my heart is hard. Lord, and if we do it three weeks from now, you are still there. And if we do it a year from now, you are still there, Lord. And as we journey, Lord, we become more like you where this battle becomes less and humility marks our lives. And I pray for my friends this morning, Lord. I pray for everyone who's hearing this message. May humility be the mark upon us. May the heart of Jesus be what we seek. May we go there to the central animating space of what you showed us when you walked this earth. And may our hearts become like Jesus' heart. Because in this church, Lord, we follow you. We don't follow man. We follow Jesus. 
Lord, and we do it together. So I pray, Jesus, if you need to bring restoration in relationships, Lord, where pride might have taken lead, Lord, let the restoration come. Let us be humble enough to apologize. Let us say we're sorry if we need to, Lord. Let us restore that which you have brought, bought with your precious blood. And may each one of us walk from here in a manner worthy of the calling to be your sons and your daughters. And the people of God say, Amen.